0: Today's program is part of a special series brought to you by St. Agnes Medical Center and Every Neighborhood Partnership with funding provided by ACEs Aware. Together, we are working to raise awareness about the effects of adverse childhood experiences in hopes of building a healthier community and a brighter future for our children. Dr. B explains the importance of acknowledging our stressors of the past in order to thrive in the present. Plus, she shares practical tips for coping through challenging times and building greater resiliency so you and your family can enjoy a healthier and more fulfilling life.
1: Hi, you're listening to Delusional Optimism with Dr. B. Where we explore human resiliency
0: and learn how people thrive even after adversity.
1: We break down the complexities of the human brain so concepts are simple and relatable. It's fun and empowering to understand how your earliest experiences influence your relationships today. What makes you tick?
0: Dr. B is a speaker, trainer, and consultant who understands emotions and human development from the inside out.
1: Let's dive into today's
2: episode. Here's Dr. B. Hey, everybody. Good morning. It's Delusional Optimism with Dr. B and Seth Creekmore. And today we're with Samantha Wetchy from the 16 Strong Project in New York. So we're super excited to learn more about this program and how they work with young people around building resilience and conquering really trauma and understanding adverse childhood experiences so people can heal in the process, so let's get started. Hi, Samantha. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to
1: be here.
3: Great. And we heard in the intro you uh, you live in New York. Uh, what part of New York?
1: I am just outside New York City. Okay, so northwest of the city in the suburbs.
3: Did you grow up there?
1: I did. Oh, very nice. I did grow up here. I've lived in New York most of my life. I spent some time upstate in college, and then in Boston in graduate school, and now I am back.
3: Okay, very nice. And what did you study?
1: <laughs> in graduate school, I studied, I was at the School of Education and studied human development and psychology at the Harvard Graduate okay, School nice. of Education. Awesome. Oh my That's goodness, awesome. my favorites. <laughs> 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 So
3: so tell us a little bit about this thing that you do. What is this thing that you do?
1: Sure. So 16 Strong Project is an organization that I started a few years ago. And it really is exactly what Dr. B was saying. Our goal is to teach young people about what adverse childhood experiences are, helping them recognize what their own situation might be, what the potential impacts could be, um, and also to help them kind of navigate the challenges that are so often with facing, so often come along with facing adverse childhood experiences or trauma during childhood. So we really teach kids, what does this mean? How might it impact me and people around me? And also, what can I do about it? Help them understand that just because there are often negative impacts associated with trauma and ACEs, it doesn't have to be that way. Like There are things that we can do once we recognize what we're going through to kind of overcome some of these negative impacts, these challenges, and really live a positive, fulfilling life. So that's really our overall goal. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's great. What What's the age range that you typically work work with?
1: Typically, with middle school and high schoolers, um, predominantly high school, I would say, but we have had some middle school partners as well. So, I guess around twelve to eighteen. Okay. At the moment, so like very much adolescent aged, hoping to expand into college as well, but we have started in predominantly middle school and high school.
2: How Do you see a difference between the middle schoolers and the high schoolers response to just the overall information? Yes. Um, I would
1: say that the information we're able to give to high school students is a little bit more complex and kind of how we explain it to adults even is pretty similar to the way that we're able to deliver it to high schoolers. And, Eighth graders as well. I think eighth grade is like pretty close to the way that high schoolers have been able to understand the information. But we had a group that we worked with this year. Um, I worked with a school counselor in North Carolina and she worked to deliver this content to sixth graders. So I think with the sixth graders, there were definitely some adjustments that needed to be made to like the language we were using, making it make sense to them. But they definitely did have a grasp on the information and the concepts and wanted to learn more once they found out about what we were talking about. So which that was really cool to see because that was Mm -hmm. the first time that we worked with kids that young.
3: What sort of language adjustment did you have to make?
1: We mostly for that grade, and we do this often anyway with most groups, but we put it into the context of mental health very often Mm -hmm. and like root causes of mental health, how to take care of our mental health in a proactive versus a reactive way. And I think when we were working with a younger group of students, it was making those language changes into mental health terms that made more sense to them and just making If We we often use scenarios and stories in the lessons that we do. So making the scenarios more applicable to students that age and also in that context in general, that's often where we see a lot of our adaptations Mm -hmm. is in the stories and the scenarios to make it seem like, oh, this could be my classmate or this could be my peer, this could be my my friend. Like this sounds like someone just like me.
3: Yeah. Are you you able to give us like a simple example of how you would switch that for younger kids?
1: Yeah. So I would say some of the scenarios that we wrote to begin with were very high school focused talking about like how you basically trying to explain or highlight the idea that you never know what someone's going through just by what they look like on the outside. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. presenting a scenario, we would normally start with something like this person is a three sport varsity athlete, the captain of the football team um, does really well in his classes is really popular. Kind of like your stereotypical, popular high school jock. But basically the bottom line is he could have a number of different things going on at home and you would never guess that just by looking at this person. So that works really well in a high school setting because that's pretty relatable and easily understood. Mm -hmm. But for a middle school setting or for younger kids, it would be more like, I'm trying to think how we actually adjusted it, but it would be making a scenario that was more similar to a sixth grader. So maybe it would just be talking about someone who... Had a lot of friends and was like more like simplifying it and saying, Mm -hmm, like, they had they were popular, they kind of were in control. Popular, they were the ones who decided who sat at what lunch table at lunch. I know that was always (laughs) big in middle school and highlighting those like social cliques more, I think, that you see often in middle school and, and younger age. Not that it's not there in high school, but making it seem like it's more applicable to that setting. And I will say that the different schools that we worked with in general very often change those scenarios to make it sound like students in that school. So I worked with private schools, small rur- rural public schools, and the ones that were originally created were kind of for like large suburban public school setting, like pretty mm-hmm. generic, but those don't fit in every setting. So that's a place where we often saw adaptations either for age Context, geographic location, um, a number of different things.
3: Yeah. What would you say is uh, kind of the unique challenge for you in these situations?
1: I would say there's there's two that I can point out. So the first one I would think I would say is getting people to understand the importance of what we're talking about. I think, which is kind of upsetting, but Mm, I think that when I talk to people in the field and like who understand what ACEs are, what trauma is, what the impacts are, they are fully on board from the beginning. I don't even have to say that much. And they're like, yes, absolutely. This is so important. We need to talk about this. So it works in that bubble, but that's unfortunately not representative of the world. I wish it was. Um, Yeah, right. So when I'm trying to explain, we are getting there, which is great. And I think it's an unfortunate situation, but I think like the last year and COVID and the pandemic has brought it more to light because we're seeing Mm -hmm. how much adversity so many people are facing. So we are getting there, but that has been a unique challenge is getting schools and getting people to understand why it's important to teach your students or your kids about this and what impacts can it have. Mm -hmm. So that's been interesting. It feels a lot of like convincing and a lot of people do see the importance, but still are kind of like, yeah, this is important. And then that's it. So that's (laughs) been a challenge. And then I will also say the other challenge that we have faced is we have a few, and I can talk more about this in more detail, but we have a few different student led initiatives where we're getting youth directly involved as youth leaders in some of the work we're doing. So we have a youth advocacy board, a student ambassador program. And for those we're really looking for, like individual students, not necessarily looking to partner with schools. We're hoping that these students can be youth leaders in their schools and communities. I will say it has been a little bit of a challenge to find youth. Um, Mm. We have plenty on board, but every time we go through recruiting, it's a lot of figuring out what platforms are they using that they will come across this message that we're putting out. Um, So we'll sometimes reach out to schools, put it on social media, other websites and things like that but it's still kind of going from us to adult to kid. And I would Mm -hmm. love for us to like try and lessen the adult middle involvement, (laughs) which it is really helpful, but figuring out how to go directly to youth, like what social media platforms can we find them on? How can we get them to follow us and be like, Mm -hmm. this is for us and things like that. So that's been another sort of challenge along the way. And we've been able to navigate it, but it is something that we're like constantly trying to, work on and and overcome
2: (laughs) just so our audience really gets a sense of what the project is about and if it were to come to a high school in my area like how do you pitch it to the school like what do you say what do you say you're going to do there so we can really get um you know because a lot of people maybe don't even know what aces are
1: that's a great question so we when we're looking to partner with schools i usually list a couple of different options so when we partner with schools we do often run a workshop with students that's often run in partnership with a school social worker school counselor who has some sort of designated time with students so it's been taught in leadership courses, life skills courses, different other other forms of electives. Some have group lunch sessions where they've run workshops with students. So it has worked really well in that sense. And that workshop talks a lot about taking proactive approaches to mental health and how ACEs play into that and how being able to recognize and understand ACEs or adverse childhood experiences can lessen potentially lessen the number of mental health challenges, substance use issues that you're seeing in young people and people in general um, by getting to the root cause of those. So if we're able to recognize that we're, you know, feeling a certain way or reacting a certain way because of ACEs or adversity that we're facing at home or, or in school or anywhere in our lives, and we're able to take a few steps to be able to overcome the challenges. So things like what it means to develop positive coping skills, what it means to have a strong support system, um, what it means to, how can we seek help? How can we tell someone that we're struggling and helping them develop those tools, strategies, and skills that they need to overcome the associated challenges so that they either, so that they aren't as likely to develop mental health challenges or substance use issues as a result of facing adversity or trauma. And it kind of comes from we had, I hear so many people every time I talk about this that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, somewhere, somewhere in that range, um, mm-hmm. adults, they'll say, you know, I just started going to therapy two years ago, and it turns out that so many things that I'm struggling with now come back to things that I didn't even know were impacting me in mm-hmm. childhood or when I was a teenager. And so my goal is to lessen the number, the amount of that happening. have less people that are realizing as adults so many things that I'm facing now are a result of childhood trauma or ACEs by helping young people understand what that that means and how they can do things in the moment when they're still going through it to really overcome those challenges and understand what it means. So that's really what our workshop focuses on and that's kind of like the basis for all of the things we do, but that's a lot of how we frame it to schools and to other people that might be interested is really in the context of we can avoid or we can help kids to not develop some of these issues that we're seeing so often. It can lead to decreased suicide rate. It can read, lead to less depression and anxiety. all of the things that we're talking about a lot with, young people teenagers which is great it's so important to talk about but thinking about how can we these numbers that are rising at way too high of a rate how can we stop that from happening mm. and for us that's by talking about aces by talking about adversity and helping them develop skills to and strategies to overcome that and whatever that means for each student personally or individually
2: and what do you yeah. do if if do you get parent pushback or like what if a kid comes to you and says, or comes out into the, into the school environment and says, you know, this is happening to me right now in my family or, you know, like it's an adverse childhood experience in the present. What happens? Right. Does that, I mean, I, I can't, I only can imagine that that must happen fairly often.
1: It does. And I think it's one of those things where students, know that they are facing something and this has now given them a name to it, which mm. has been really helpful for a lot. Of, I know it was really helpful for me. Um, and mm-hmm. I didn't learn the word until a few or the phrase until a few years ago. And when I learned it, I was, it was like eye opening to me, like these things that I went through, they have a name and it's not yeah. just wow. me having to say, Oh my, cause for me, my father struggled with mental health issues and substance and uh, um, addiction issues as well. And I always knew that and I knew that it impacted me, but that was still all about him and all about that. And so when I heard the term adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, I was like, wait a second, that's finally a word for like what I was facing, not mm. necessarily like the you know secondhand impact of something else, which is kind of what it is, but it was a name that applied directly to me. So I see that a lot with kids, too, where they're kind of like, oh, this is me. And the way we frame it and the way that we talk about it is about how, you know, the statistics tell us that two thirds of all people face at least one ace by the age of 18. And so continuing to reiterate that and a number of other statistics helps kids to come back and say, this applies to me. And now I know what this name is. And I also know that I'm not alone because all of us have something. All of us has gone through, have gone through something. So we've had students, someone, I think either, it was sometime this year, it was either in the fall or the spring, and this student had said something like, I now understand that I'm not alone in what I'm, I'm experiencing, but rather I'm part of a supportive community who also understands what I'm going through, even if it's not oh, wow. exactly the same thing as me. So things like that always keep me motivated, but To answer your question, I think it's been more of a, I knew I was going through something and now I have this name for it. And now I feel like I can try and handle it a little bit better through the different things we've talked about. Or I know who I can go to in my school or otherwise to talk to about
3: it. Nice. Sure. Do you have any... um Any stories that you can share, obviously, without exposing the person that that you feel like really represent the work that you all do, uh, like a a success story of sorts?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I think we really see that a lot with our... Well, we see that a lot with the kids in the workshop, but I get to know, or I got to know our youth advisory board members a little bit more personally than the students I've worked with in bigger class settings. Mm -hmm. So we've had students who out, so there were two students who went to the same high school and they both have really very serious trauma stories and they're still high school students. One was a freshman, one was a senior. So I guess one just graduated and one will be a sophomore. Mm -hmm and they really expressed from the beginning that they wanted to join our advisory board because at this young age they already wanted to use their experiences to help other people which i was like this is absolutely amazing i can't imagine i couldn't imagine myself doing that when i was in high school Mm. but through our different sessions and you know group meetings and things like that and trainings they were they became more familiar with what aces are Um, Because, again, they knew that they had been through something, but they hadn't heard the term adverse childhood experiences or ACEs. So they Mm -hmm. became more familiar with that, as did the rest of our group. Um, And by, I think it was in March or April, it was by the spring after we had really gotten to know each other well, they decided that they wanted to give presentations to their classmates about 16 Strong, about ACEs, and about their own personal stories. So they... Fully on their own, created a present a PowerPoint presentation, reached out to their school principal to figure out how they can deliver these presentations to their classmates. And wow. they each told their own personal story at the ages of like 15 and 18 mm-hmm. because they said, we want our classmates to know that we like it is not someone else's problem we are your classmates we go to your school and hear our stories and that's just two of us there are so however many kids in this school there's so many other people who have stories like everyone has a story and that was their goal is they wanted to be really vulnerable really brave and take this information to their classmates because they felt really passionate about it and felt that Mm -hmm. they could use their story and their background to make a difference because they were kind of like hey guys we go to your school. This is our story. You can't really, it's hard to ignore it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So they delivered a number of presentations to all of their school's health classes. I think they did seven or eight presentations in a day. Wow. um, And got a really positive response. And yeah, we were there for support and guidance, but they took it and kind of ran with it in the way that they wanted to, which is our goal Mm -hmm. also is we can give you this information. And then from there, I always hope that they'll, take it and, and kind of run with it and say, you know, bring it to their schools and communities in whatever way they feel comfortable and that's what they chose to do. And so they were really, really brave and, and vulnerable, like I said, and they delivered these presentations, told their stories and really put themselves out there with the goal of helping other people in there and helping them, it helped them. They were saying this is part, this is something that helps us so we're able to use our experiences to help other people understand
2: that's sure. so cool. Like that's th- the most empowering yeah. way for healing to really start happening within the younger the younger populations and generations. I think Seth and I kind of talk about this about how delivery to different age groups is so critical to to be, and you're, yep. you you were mm-hmm. talking about it before like in your youth getting your uh, youth leadership off the ground that we really have to be able to Empower them to to do it their way and be okay exactly. with exactly, and that can be really hard. Oh, but it, yeah. but it's so gr- but it's so awesome. Like that's exactly mm-hmm. what I wanted to check in really quick though and say, can you tell us about the sixteen strong project name? Because I think people yes. are going to go, hey, what does that mean? What's sixteen strong mean? Yes, absolutely.
1: So 16 strong, if you have 24 hours in a day and in a perfect world, hopefully, you know, if you're getting your eight hours of sleep, that leaves 16 (laughs) waking hours. So 16 hours that you are awake for every single day. So 16 strong represents what it means for each individual person to get through those 16 waking hours of the day in a really positive, strong way. So, That'll look mm. different for every single person. It's, you know, some mixture of positive coping skills, support systems or people in your life that you go to. Um, really anything else. I know for me, it would be some mix of like exercise, uh, music, podcasts, talking to friends, family. It would be some mix of that. But every, you know, Dr. B's, Dr. B, your, yours will look different. Seth, yours will look different. Right. So it's really representative of what each individual person needs to be really strong and get through. 16 hours of the yeah. day a week, regardless of what else is going on or all, any hard things that sure. you might be going through.
3: I would say I, I'm 16 hours out of bed. I don't know if I'm awake for those 16 hours, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, functioning exactly. on some 16 level. Hours spent, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's really great. What inspired you to start something like this?
1: My own life experiences, honestly. So I mm-hmm. mentioned briefly before my father struggled with mental health issues and addiction issues when i was growing up and it was something that really impacted me throughout my time in predominantly middle school and high school because that's when we were really going through stuff and Mm -hmm. impacted our family a lot but i never really understood like i didn't really like i said i knew that he had mental health issues struggled with his mental health and that led him to do things that impacted our family in a certain way but I thought I was the only yeah. person that was going through that. I thought so many things were my fault because I was like, well, I'm just a kid. Of course, mm-hmm. I must have done something if my parent is acting this way. And so I blamed a lot of stuff Ooh. on myself. Um, and it wasn't something we talked about or learned about in school. So I was like, well, I guess it really must just be me. So I kind of stayed quiet because I thought no one would understand what on earth I was talking about because I was convinced that I was the only person that had a problem like this. Um <laughs> And then the other part of that was I had a really good high school experience. So I did really well in school. I had Mm -hmm. friends. I played three sports. And so everyone thought that I was totally fine because of what I looked like from the outside. And so no one really checked on me and I never voluntarily spoke about it. So it kind of all just stayed inside. And years later, so honestly, when I first left high school, I studied financial economics in undergrad. I wanted to get as far away from this type of thing as possible. I worked in finance for a few years and then I started realizing that wasn't for me. And then I started thinking about like, I honestly started, I guess, doing some self-reflection, thinking about like, what do I care about? What am I passionate about? What impact do I want to make? And that's when I started kind of doing some research on, at that point, I was looking specifically for programs or things that were designed to help support Teenagers who had parents or family members struggling with mental health issues or um, addiction. And because that was honestly before I had heard the term ACEs. So that's where this whole thing started was specifically for that population. When I realized there wasn't that much, that kind of motivated me to think about, I want to make something. I want to make resources or something to help kids who were like me understand that you're not alone. It was really, you're not alone. You're not to blame. And you're not destined to like repeat the cycle or to become your parent were the three Mm -hmm. main things that I thought about when I first started this and definitely still remain true today. So that's kind of how this all started. I eventually went back to graduate school. That's when I did a master's of education and human development psychology to kind of mix both sides of it. Cause to me, education was always a huge piece because in my head I was like, I can create all these resources, put them online, But if you don't know that you need them, you're not going to ever look for them. So for me, the education piece was key to help people recognize what their situations might be and understand what this means. And then be able to provide strategies, tools, resources, that sort of thing to overcome them. But the education piece was a main thing for me. And then I... like when I was in graduate school is the first time I heard the term ACEs and I kind of really took that and ran with it. And I didn't really have to change much other than what we called our mission because I was kind of like, well, this smaller population that I'm currently working towards is actually part of this like way bigger thing that in my opinion, not enough people were talking about. So that's when it became ACEs focus. But again, it didn't really change much other than now we're talking about adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, which is broader rather than just saying helping to support young people with who have parents or family members struggling with mental illness or addiction. So, Do
2: you see this changing yeah. the way we do education overall? Yeah,
1: I definitely, I definitely think so. I think that in order for us to best educate students and educate kids is by having a full understanding and a full picture of everything each student individual student has gone through and I know that that's obviously like a tall tall order asking you know individually every single student what have they gone through but it doesn't necessarily need to be that you know that oh this kid has that and this kid has that and this kid has that it's really just bringing into it the idea that We can almost make the assumption that all of these kids have had something, especially right now. We don't necessarily need to know, in my opinion, the very intricate details of each individual kid's situation in order to acknowledge, like, these kids are bringing something challenging with them to this classroom every single day that might make it hard for them to concentrate at a specific Mm -hmm. time, to focus, to do well on an exam. So I think that that is key. I also think that it's important to understand that and also make sure to check in on every single student. because similar to my situation, I've heard a number of other stories that are similar. Some kids just seem like they don't really need to be checked in on because they're doing well in school and they have friends and you know we tend to focus on students or, or kids who are you know acting out in class, failing exams, um, displaying some sort of, behavior that might seem worrisome, which I think is obviously still very important to do that. But it's also important to check in on the kid that you think is doing fine and doing well in all of your tests because you don't know for sure. So I think I think yes, I think that that will help more and more kids be able to succeed both academically and um, even broader than that, just be successful and live fulfilling lives if we're able to talk about these topics in a school setting. Cause I think for a lot of kids, school is an escape from a lot of things that are going on and they're coming to school and they're feeling like this is a safe space, which is great. And I also think that it's a place where kids are looking to learn about these things that are happening at home. And I've heard a number of kids who have said, I don't know why we don't talk about this in school. We never talk about these things. I wish we learned about that and they want to learn about it. Like they definitely want to, and it's not, being taught to them. And mm-hmm. I think that yeah. it has, it would help them tremendously to better understand themselves, which is super important, of course, for them to be able to be successful and take those next steps that they want to take outside of the, you know, K through 12 school setting.
3: So before we wrap up, uh, Samantha, is there anything else before we have you do your plugs and all the other things, anything else? <laughs> <that> you, <laughs> yeah. Anything else that you want to make sure to hit before we close
0: out?
1: Not really. I know. I mean, like our main goal is to help just get as many youth involved as possible and help them understand and help them be leaders and advocates for themselves and each other in their schools and communities. So that's been our goal for a while. And that's become an even bigger goal of ours after I've seen how successful and how interested students are to kind of take this on and learn about it and move it forward. Mm -hmm. And that's our goal: is to keep raising awareness, keep educating more young people, and helping provide that support for them to um, help themselves and also help others.
3: So we like to end the episode with practical takeaways. And so, one, the first one being just how do people reach you, contact you, get get your services to them. And then, second, uh, if a if a student out there is listening. Um, what's one thing that they can do to start um, working through their aces and learning to believe in themselves and 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 press forward?
1: Yeah. so I'll answer the second one first because it's on the top of my head. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, yeah, so anybody really, that's going through sure. something and it feels really hard, the first thing to, that I would say is just know for sure that you are not alone in what you're going through. There are other people who have faced and are facing similar things and feeling similar impacts. And I would say the number one thing that I would say to start is try some things that you think will make you feel better in a really positive way. So something like exercise or listening to music or podcasts and those positive things and just know that the reality of, Starting to find these things in our life is that the first thing you try might not be the best for you, but there's many other options that we can try. And also, just to keep in mind that it's important to think about the long term as well. So, what will make us feel good now and in the long run, and Mm -hmm. you know, not have a negative impact on our health in the long run. So, recognizing that some things that can make you feel really good quicker are really bad for us in the long run. <laughs> so keeping thing, keeping that in mind and trying a number of different things to find what really works for you. And just because it works for someone else does not mean it will work for you. And I know it's, like, it's easier said than done, but yeah. it's super important to keep trying things.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. And then where can people find you?
1: Yes. So our website is 16strongproject.com. And we're also, we use Instagram, which is also just at 16strongproject. Um, And we can be reached by email, which again, 16strongproject at gmail.com. It's all pretty standard. And that we can be, anybody can be in touch with any questions or anything that they have. And also if they're interested in any of our programs too, we're always looking for more young people to be part of our youth advisory board for next year um our student ambassador program so we are looking for youth leaders who want to learn more and want to take this on in whatever way mm-hmm. they feel comfortable and what works for them so
3: awesome
2: Samantha I have I have a quick question about that Be- yep we started the conversation about this you know you're in New York but because of covid you've kind of expanded more nationally so is are you open to Kids from all over the country, or how does that work? If a kid in California is hearing this, what do they do? Or Indiana, or Wisconsin, or Florida? Yeah.
1: We are open to kids from all over the country. And to answer your question, we're going to awesome. continue to do our meetings by Zoom because it worked super well and the kids really liked getting to see what was going on in other parts of the country. So we've, we are actually currently accepting like applications. We have a link to a, a Google form. And we've had applicants from California, from Hawaii even, Washington State, some more on the East Coast. We have people from Ohio, Illinois, Indiana. So yes, the answer to your question great. is yes. Anybody that's interested can join. Like I said, I know that I'm based in New York, but geography is not not a limitation with this group. We're trying to spread nice. the message and connect connect that's passionate wonderful. kids together wow. too. Super awesome.
3: That's thank so you great. so much, Samantha. That's really great. Thank you for your yes. work. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you both. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for figuring out a way to normalize mental health for youth and making it part of our education. Like just, you know, you can't separate mental health from your overall being. And Mm -hmm. so exactly, when we integrate our whole selves into one perspective, then we get we have such a better opportunity to live a full life and a happy life. I like to say happy. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. So. yes. Yeah. But thank you so much, Samantha, for your work and for your time this morning. It's It's been great to spend time with you and learn about 16 Strong Project. Yes, right. and thank you both for for having me on. This has been great. All right. So, everybody, that was so awesome. We got to learn about the 16 Strong Project. It's national. Youth from all over the country can be in contact to be leadership for learn youth learning about mental health and ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. We spent the morning with Samantha Wetchy learning all about how to integrate the best 16 hours of the waking day into our lives. So super cool. And I hope you go out this weekend and leave a life print. Alrighty. Till next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you. If you're interested in booking a training, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at my website, Dr. B Connections. There's a big button that says, book a training with Dr. B, it's that easy. If this show has been beneficial for you, please share it with your friends and family. Spreading the word about the show helps us grow our audience and helps continue to change the world together. Again, thanks so much for listening to Delusional Optimism. Now go leave a life print.
0: Thank you for listening to this special episode of Delusional Optimism, brought to you by St. Agnes Medical Center and every neighborhood partnership. We hope you're encouraged by Dr. B's message and find her tips helpful for managing life stressors and building a more resilient self. For more episodes in this special series, please visit St. Agnes Medical Center's website at www.samc.com. This episode is produced and published by the editing team at Truthwork Media. Truthwork Media is a full fledged podcasting and social media agency located in South Bend, Indiana, with clients all around the world. For more information, visit them at TruthworkMedia.com. These materials, and all discussions of these materials, are for educational purposes only and do not constitute medical or mental health advice. The presenter is not a licensed mental health or medical service provider. If you need medical or mental health care or advice, you should contact your doctor or therapist, or you can contact your insurance company for a referral. This show and all of its contents are copyright 2020 Dr. B. Leave a Life print. Reproduction or use requires written consent of Dr. Kristen Beasley.